Okay, I'm glad you're here. I feel uh, slightly overwhelmed just because um, there's uh, there's so much to talk about. So we're we're in the um, we're in these uh, ten amazing days, um, which are the days between uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and we we just read um, Parshas Hazinu, um, which was this incredibly complex poem, really, that, or it's actually, Moshe refers to it as a song. So it's, it's a song, but it's, it's written um, in two columns, up and down. So it, it has a, a, different, a different appearance from, from the rest of the Torah. Uh, and if you look at the commentators, uh, the, the commentators have very, um, very different understandings of what each of the verses mean. And, and so so, in other words, what, what Moshe Rabbeinu was doing at this point in his life, which was really the, the, the very end of his life, was packing so much into every single line so that, um, so that, so that he could express as much as humanly possible in, in the last moments of his life. One of the, one of the sort of foundations that, that, that we live with, and, and we'll, we'll see it here in a very beautiful way in a moment, and, and I heard it expressed so, so beautifully by Rabbi uh, Moshe Wolfson Shlita, who said that, that, the, that God takes the letters of the, the week's Parsha and he uses them to weave the fabric of reality out of. And we see a very beautiful example of that in Parsha's Hazinu. Um, Parsha's Hazinu has something that's unique in the entire Torah, which is a one-letter word. It's the only, the only example of this in the, in the Torah. And, not, and it's, a, it's a doozy, because not only is it a one-letter word, but it's a large letter. So one of the large letters. It's the large letter, hey. And um, if you've got good eyes, you can, you can see it over here. So there's a, a large hey in Parsha's Hazinu, in this week's Parsha. And it's, it's not just... Normally speaking, when you have a, a large letter or a small letter, it's part of a word. But the note here is that this is the entire word. So this large hey is the entire word. Now, now there's a lot to say on this and how it connects to these 10 days of, 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 of tshuva, of return between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Um, we had, uh, speaking at the Minyan, um, Rabbi Shlomo Seidenfeld, and he said something so beautiful. He said that, you know, based on Rav Cook, that, that, that God doesn't want us to change. He doesn't want anybody to change. He wants us to return. In other words, don't, don't become something that you're not. Become who you really are. That's, that's, that's why one of the sort of the maddening uh, translations of tshuva is repentance. Repentance is just, you know, it tastes, just the word itself in your mouth tastes terrible. You know, tshuva means return, not change. Return to who, who you really are, um, who you were meant to be, who you were created to be. So, so we have this letter, we have this big letter, hey. Now the Gomorrah Menachos says that Hashem created the world with the letter He. And if you, if, you, if you say the letter He 
You know, you can all say it now. Hey, what's so... The sages point out that there's something very interesting about it. You see, normally speaking, when you pronounce a letter, like say B, you move your lips, B. Or if you want to say uh, the letter uh, Lamed or L, L, you see you put your tongue on the top of your palate. And, or Ches, you use the back of your throat. So there are all different parts of your mouth that you pronounce the different letters from. And actually, this is actually one of the methodologies of, um, Torah, of Torah exegesis, meaning to say that what, what the sages have done is they've grouped all the different areas of your mouth where you say particular letters. And then those letters can be exchanged for other letters. So when you're, doing, um, when you're, when you're really delving into words and passages, there are times when you can exchange letters because they're coming from the same area of your mouth. Okay? But if you look at this word, hey, it's effortless because you don't have to touch your tongue to the top of your throat. You don't have to press your lips together. You don't have to dig down into your throat in order to pronounce it. It's just, hey, just effortless. Which, given the fact that Hashem created the world with the letter, hey, shows that it was really easy for God. That's the point. <laughs> In other words, it's an illustration of how effortless, how effortless creation was for God, right? Like God didn't have to go, oh, you know, if I get it right, oh, I'm really going to try this time. It was, that wasn't it. It just, he just did it. Um, you know, you see... Uh, in every, every letter of the Aleph base has a small letter and a large letter. A, a small version of the letter and a large version of the letter, somewhere in Tanakh. And um, it's interesting because the Torah begins, more or less, it's toward the very beginning of the, the Torah. It's in chapter 2, verse 4. Okay? There's a small letter, hey, in the word Behibaram, which is talking about how God created the world. And there you have a small letter, hey. And there's a very, very nice teaching there, which is to show that this world, which is so big for us, compared to the infinity of God, that hey is small in the word behibaram, which means God created the world, because this world compared to God is tiny. Right? So there you have just an, an example of the, the small hey. Um, and that's, that's a very profound teaching because, um, you know, we tend to, it, well, just one of the gateways to wisdom is understanding that everything that we see is just the tiniest piece of what actually exists. And as we advance in science, we, we see this corroborated constantly, profoundly. The fact that there are bacteria and there, there's this whole atomic and subatomic world that's going on around us that we can't even see. So, so the idea of extending that and understanding that this entire world is just a very small part of a, something even larger that we can't see is, is, um, is very important for us to understand in order to maintain the proper perspective and the proper awe of God. Now let's get back to this large hay and get back to this idea that the, the, the world that we're living in right now has been 
weaved from this Parsha. So what does it mean, this large hay? What, what, what is the metaphor that the uh, sages use in the Gomorrah to explain how this world is like the letter hay? So if you see, if you look at the letter hay, you'll notice that there's a, a, a big empty bottom to it. And they say that it's easy just to fall out of this world. In other words, just to, to not get it right, to just kind of like lose your way, you know, and you just kind of fall out, you know. But if you look at the top of the letter hay over here, there's an opening. Meaning to say that it's true you can fall out, you can go off the wrong path and all the rest, but there's always an opening to get back in. Now, what I was thinking was that, isn't it interesting that if you've got a large letter hay, that means that opening right now is larger right now than it normally is. So there you see actually in the blueprint of the Torah that God is enlarging the gates for us to return right now. So it's right there, right there. It's, 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 it's right there in the blueprint of what's going on right now, the reality that we're living in at this moment. Now, I want to say another thought, just if hay stands for this world, and here we have a hay, which is just one word in itself, it's kind of like right now God is asking us to, to just say, hey, look, it's you and the world. What's going on? Just what's going on in your world? Just, let's just strip it down. Let's just strip it down completely. Just what is going on with it? Now, you see something else, again, showing how the, the fabric of reality is, is weaved from the letters of this, of this Parsha. You see something very interesting, which is we also have a small letter Yud. Now, that's especially Striking because the Gomorrah says that God created the entire universe, this world and the next world, with the letters Yud and He. So here are the two exceptional letters in this entire Parsha. We have this large letter He and this small letter Yud. So what's going on with that? So one way to visualize it, just as an introduction, is Yud represents the, the spiritual realms. So we see the letter Yud is small, but the letter He is extra big. So, so to speak, it's like the letter Yud, it's like it's being squeezed, like if you think of like a half an orange, if you will. Like the letter Yud is being squeezed into the letter He, this world, making it big. In other words, the spirituality of the next higher worlds is coming down into this world, and expanding the spirituality of this world right now. Because at this point in the year, we're at our most spiritual. We've got just holiday after holiday after holiday. We're thinking about the biggest questions about the world, about eternity, about our lives, about getting it right. So it's sort of like the spirituality of the next world is entering into this world. The letter Yud is becoming s smaller, and it's sort of squeezing its essence into this world, making the letter hey larger. Okay. That's good as an introductory thought. But there's a problem with it. The problem is, is that God exists in all the worlds equally. So you can't say that somehow he's removing himself from the spiritual realms because he exists 
as infinitely in the spiritual realms as he exists in this realm. Okay. So then let's go deeper then. So you want to hear something really cool? The letter Hey says the Mara. It's in two parts, right? It's actually two letters. It's the letter Dalid, right? It's the letter Dalid, and it's the letter Yud. So all of a sudden, that little Yud is actually a big Yud, <laughs> right? Because it's part of the large Hey. So a large Hey needs a large Dalid, needs a large Dalid, and it needs a large Yud. It's going to be a large Hey, right? So the little hay, the little yud, actually is becoming a big yud. Meaning to say that the spirituality of this world is becoming more openly revealed right now in this world. But now, there's a counterbalance to this. You see, the Mara also says, so what is the letter Dalid? The letter Dalid is the number four, and that means east, west, north, and south. Meaning to say that the letter Dalid means dimension, dimensionality, or materiality, or physicality, if you will, as opposed to spirituality. So then, thinking about this, I want to say the following, which is it's true that the letter Yud is being enlarged at this time of the year, in this realm, in other words, within this giant hay, which represents this dimension that we're living in right now, within this giant hay, you have a large yud, meaning to say that the spirituality of this time is more openly revealed. But the letter Dalit is also enlarged, meaning to say that free choice is being maintained because the physicality of this world the materiality of this world is also keeping up as a counterbalance to the increased spirituality. Meaning to say that God is going to open up spiritual opportunities at every point in our life, especially now, but he will always retain the balance of free choice where a person can choose to ignore or disregard what is going on even now even with these days. So let me put it to you this way. Still on the same subject, but let's approach it from a different angle. You see, there, there, there are those people, maybe with a more secular or scientific or academic or <coughs> point of view, who will say that time... And in a day, say this 24-hour construct, where the right the 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 Earth revolves, right? We go around the Sun. It's 24 hours, right? Or is that a year? I don't know. What's a year? Yeah, what happens during the year? That's a year, right? So what happens in a day? The earth itself revolves around. Yeah, okay. I should probably know that by now. (laughs) But that 
It's an astrological construct, time. Meaning you just have, the earth is just rotating. And so if the earth rotates between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, or the earth rotates in June sometime, what's the difference? It's just, it's a simple rotation of the earth. That's what time is, right? So in Torah, we say, no, that's not the case. The time itself, the days themselves are very different. The days themselves are creations in and of themselves. And the days themselves, one day is different from another day because each is like a separate creation. Each with its own potential, each with its own greatness. And so, so these days right now are the days that, the, that Hashem and, and our rabbis have taught us are the greatest days of the year in terms of being able to come close to God. But be aware of the fact that there will be part of you that will just treat these days or be tempted to treat these days like any other day. Because your free choice is being maintained as well. It's true the letter Yud is being expanded, right? That's the increased spirituality that's going on right now. But so is the letter Dalit. You're still going to get hungry. You're still going to want to do this. You're still going to get stressed out about that. And it will be very easy to forget. I put it this way one year, that these are the days of wet cement, Right? What does that mean? So if you walk down the street and you see some, someone wrote their name in the, in the sidewalk, right? So now you go outside and take a branch and try to write your name in the sidewalk. When the cement is dry, it's, maybe you can do it, but it's very difficult to do. When it's wet, it's easy to do. So right now, the world is actually still being formed. It's still being formed. You know, a lot of people ask this question. Every single year, the, the question comes up, which is, how is it that this past Shabbos, which is the, was the first Shabbos after Rosh Hashanah, we didn't read Parsha's Breshis, right? We should have started the Torah. We've got a new world. Let's start reading Parsha's Breshis. That's what makes the most sense. We don't read it until after Simcha's Torah. Do you know why? Because the world is still being created right now. The world is still wet cement. And the efforts that you put in right now are going to impact the rest of the year disproportionately. Disproportionately. Wildly disproportionately. Right now. Now, normally speaking, you know, we have this, this teaching, halacha, right? Halacha is, is really the way. It's, it's sort of like the, the, the way the, the world is ordered. We, we translate it as Jewish law, but it's, 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 it's more fundamental than that even. And, and they make a, a drasha that it has the word holeich in it, which means to walk. To walk as opposed to run. Meaning to say that when you begin to um, tune in and, 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 and want to really tap into reality and, and, and live a, a, a life which is in harmony with your, your own soul and the universe, and you want to take on the mitzvot, that, that you have to go slowly. You have to go slowly. You have to walk. Holech, within halacha. You walk within the halacha. Take it on step by step. However, 
were counseled during these 10 days to actually maybe take on even more than we normally would. Meaning to say to really push ourselves during these 10 days, understanding that there are brackets around it and that we're not necessarily going to maintain these practices during the rest of the year, right? Because the idea is sometimes the the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, will come to a person disguised as a rabbi. Right? Right? Sort of like the, right? Brother Devil puts on a strimal to cover up his horns, right? <laughs> Grows out his beard, you know, colors it white. <laughs> puts a little pancake on his red face. I'm being, I'm being humorous, you know. But, but, meanwhile, since, since I brought up the concept of, of the Sutton, we should know that, that there's, that God is one, and that there is no other force or any power other than God, and that evil works for God, and that when evil comes to a person and tries to get you to do something that uh, you know in your heart is not the proper thing to do, it wants you to say no to it. See, because if it wants you to say yes to it, if it's an independent power, then we say there are two gods. But they're not two gods. There's only one God. Evil works for God, meaning to say, and the example is, is that when the Yetzirah comes to a person and you say no to it, it jumps up and dances. And if you say yes to it, it rips its clothes and cries. Right? So this is the, this is the idea that, um, that there's only one power. So, so let's, let's, let's continue with this thought. How did we get on this thought? <laughs> yeah, thank you. So the Yetzirah, the Yetzirah, <laughs> I'm easily distracted. The 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 the, the, the sometimes comes to comes so to speak disguised as a rabbi. What's 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 what 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 does that mean? It means that sometimes it tries to get you stuff to to get you to do stuff to hold to a level that you're not ready to hold to yet. The idea being that you're not going to be able to maintain that level. The idea then being that you'll become depressed and throw the entire program away. That's the, that's the idea. So it seems like it's telling you to do good things. Do this, do that, do this, do that. And you're not really ready for it because you don't have the foundation for it yet. So, so but what I'm saying now is an exception to the rule. During these 10 days, you can push yourself. You can push yourself with the notion, again, that there are brackets around it. Meaning to say that we're just talking about Til Yom Kippur right now. You can push yourself. You know, you're, you're, you're only holding at this level of keeping kosher. Do it better. You're not praying three times a day? All right, whatever you're praying, pray more. Right? You're not putting on tefillin every day? Put it on every day. Right? Whatever it is, you're keeping Shabbos, eh, pretty much, not so much. Keep it better. You know, wh- wh- whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever area of your life, you just 
push it some more now. You know, someone told me one time that he went up to Reb Shlomo and he said to him, give me a teaching just for me. And so this is what he told him. And then he reported back to me what Reb Shlomo said. He said, Reb Shlomo said, you know, most people think I want less from them. The truth is, is that I really want more from them. Right? So this is a time when we can really ask more of ourselves. Okay. So now, I want to I wanna go deeper. And Rosh Hashanah, you know, Hashem created the world through, through speech, as we said. And we know that there are ten spherot, ten sort of like paradigms of, of energy, if you will, that Hashem sort of brought together through ten utterances and, and brought these energies into the, to create the material world. Now, there are three different categories of, of, of passages that we say during the Rosh Hashanah davening. Machios, Zichronos, and Shofros. And each one of those has ten verses from Tanakh that we say within it. Okay? So what we're doing is, with these three tens, is we're really playing out the creation of the world, and we're sort of like being partners in it by uttering these ten utterances ourselves, right, in these different categories. So it's, it's, very, it's very involved, it's very, very deep. But what I want to do is focus in on this notion of zichronos for a moment. Because zichronos means to remember. And zichronos is, 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 is very sort of mysterious because we're supposed to say these passages so that God will remember. But everyone asks the same question, which is, does God ever forget that he has to remember? Right? So already it's sort of like you hit a brick wall if you want to go down that path. So there's another path, a deeper path, and um, in understanding what the whole idea of Zichronos is. And the reason why I'm bringing it up is because it's very true for this period of the year right now, so I hope that this will be a helpful tool, but it will start off on a very sort of spiritual level before we can make it real for us right now. It says that God remembered Sarah and then she became pregnant. And uh, so let's think about this for a moment. And this is like one of the key, key ideas within Zechronos, that God remembered Sarah. So what is, what is the idea then? It's not just that he, he remembered her like he had ever forgotten about her, God forbid. But what God did was he actualized the blessing for her. That's what it means that he remembered her. Meaning to say that the time had come for him to put into reality that which he wanted to bless her with. So with this in mind, the energy of Zichronos is the energy of actualization. Zichronos has the word Zichor in it. Zichor means male. It's that male energy of actualization, like in conception. So in other words, it's this idea of, of this divine Shefa coming down 
and creating this new reality and making everything real right now. Okay? And of course, we're participants in this. Now, I want to tell you, this, this I think was, for me, this was like a deep thought, and this sort of came like right before Rosh Hashanah. So, continuing with this idea, listen to this presentation of it, okay? You see, right now we're in the beginning of this three-week journey. We're all on this three-week journey together, okay? It starts with Rosh Hashanah, and it ends with Simchas Torah. So that's, 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 technically speaking, that's 22 days, or it's 21 days, okay? And, and we can get into the difference between that in a moment. By the way, we mentioned last time we were together something that I, I thought was very amazing. I learned from one of the world's leading cardiologists just last week, Robert Roberts, that, that our, the, the cells in our body are constantly regenerating. And the cells in the heart are regenerating as well, such that you have an entirely brand new heart every three weeks. Meaning to say on Rosh Hashanah, beginning with Rosh Hashanah and culminating with the end of the Jewish holiday cycle with Simcha's Torah, you're literally creating a new heart for yourself. Literally creating a new heart for yourself. Not just in the spiritual realm. In the, in, the, in the physical realm at all, in a, in, a, in a documentable way. And this, this ties in very much with what, what we said, that we don't begin reading Breshis, the beginning of the Torah again, until Simchas Torah. So once we've created a new heart for ourselves, that's when we really can begin again. Now, I said it's 22 days. It's 22 days or it's 21 days, this journey. Now, what's the difference? Okay. If you want to just count, it, it depends on how you count Rosh Hashanah. So Rosh Hashanah is this amazing quirk in time and space. Because the rabbis don't know what Rosh Hashanah is when all is said and done. Is it two 24-hour days or is it one 48-hour day? And when all is said and done, when they work it through, they still don't know. Okay? It's called Yom Arichta, which means the long day, referring to the fact that it's a 48-hour day. Or perhaps it's two 24-hour days. Okay, so now let's apply that to what we were just saying a moment ago about Zichronos, about the idea of this energy of actualization that's coming into the world and that we're participants in, okay? If, it's, if Rosh Hashanah is actually two days, two 24-hour days, that means this journey between now and Simchas Torah, right, where we're recreating the world, is actually 22 days. Now, 22 is a very important number because that's the number of the Aleph base. There are 22 letters, and our tradition is that God took the energies of the Aleph base and created the world with them. Okay? Created the universe with them. So if that's the case, if it's 22 days, that means that you can assign one letter for each of the 22 days. So that means that Rosh Hashanah, the first day, right, would be Aleph. Second day would be Vase. Right? Two separate days. But what if Rosh Hashanah is one 48-hour day? 
That means that Rosh Hashanah, one day, is actually the letters Aleph and Beis. It's the fusion of Aleph and Beis, which is what? So everybody knows that Aleph, which is one, stands for Hashem. And everybody knows that if you break down the letter Aleph, it actually breaks down into three letters, which is two Yuds and above, which adds up to 26, which is the numerical value of the holiest name of Hashem, Yudke Vavke. All of that is expressed within the letter Aleph. Bez stands for this world, the Bez of Breshit, right? Bez is the first letter of the blueprint of the Torah, Breshit, right? So Aleph and Bez on Rosh Hashanah, which in this construct, which is one day, heaven and earth, God and creation become fused together at once because of this partnership which is the birth of this new reality, this new year, which is coming into effect. You know, if you just look at simple genetics, what your child is going to look like and be like is going to have qualities from the mom and qualities from the dad, right? If we're becoming filled with this heavenly light, right, like Sarah, so to speak, right? right, conceives on Rosh Hashanah, if each one of us is going to be filled with this light, what are we bringing to the party? <laughs> I know what God's bringing to the party. I want to know, what am I bringing to the party? What are, what are we individually bringing to the party in order to actualize this amazing new reality that's happening right now, that's being formed right now? So, you know, at the time of conception between husband and wife, it's very important when, when parents are conceiving that they have high thoughts. And you're supposed to imagine the qualities that you want in your child. What your child, what, what, you, what you're, you're, so to speak, at that moment, shopping for souls. Right? So you're like, well, you know. Let's skip the bargain aisle. <laughs> Let's go right to the luxury goods over here. Like, I want a really high soul. I want a really high soul. So this is what's going on right now. The new year, so to speak, is being conceived. So this is the time for our thoughts to be in a really high place. What do we want this year to be? Who do I want to be? You know, we were talking about this concept of spiritual identity theft. Like identity theft, right? We talked about it a while ago. It says in the Gomorrah that there's seven names to the Eight Sahara and that the most toxic manifestation of the Eight Sahara is basically called a uh, Tzafon, which means the hidden one. What that means is that the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, expresses itself within us in this way that it makes, it, it makes us think that we're actually saying it. See, Reb Shlomo says, you know, this is one of the keys if you really want to do good tshuva on Yom Kippur. It's not even so much, God, I'm sorry that I did it. 
I never wanted to do it to begin with. You know, a lot of us, we look back on some of the things that we did that we know were wrong. And the reality is that when we look at them from our standpoint right now, I never wanted to do it to begin with. It's not just I'm sorry I did it. So this aspect of identity theft, you see, sometimes we know the right thing and then we know the wrong thing and then we do the wrong thing anyway. That happens to all of us because we're human beings. But then sometimes on an even more subtle level, the other voice comes to us and we think it's us and it's not even us. That's this level, that's the seventh name for the Yetzirah. That's Safon, that's the hidden one, when, it, when we think that we want it. And then we say, okay, well, since I want it, I'm going to go for it. But it was never us to begin with. Okay, now that's one level of spiritual identity theft. But that's just review. I want to say a new idea now. You see, getting back to this idea that God doesn't want us to change, that God actually just wants us to return to who we really are. You see, now imagine you get a phone call, right? Imagine you were to get a phone call. And it's like this, an emergency call, and they say, we've caught someone who's going around with your driver's license and your credit card number right and your passport right and we've got them and you go oh man that guy is ruining my good name he's ruining my credit he's stealing from me and you go to the police station and you look and it's you To what extent are we masquerading as this imperfect version of ourself and that we've convinced ourselves that this really is me, that I am really me, as opposed to this much more exalted construct that I don't, I'm so completely not even in touch with. Because I've convinced myself that this present version of me is the real me, as opposed to a masquerader. We have to look into the mirror and say, I'm, I'm, I'm masquerading. This is a masquerade. This isn't really me. How did I convince myself of all people How did I convince myself of all people that this is really me? All right. Okay, let's continue. We're going to go deeper now. Malchios. Malchios we begin with, that means kingship. That means that the first and foremost recognition of this three-week process of reconstructing the entire world, of creating this new world. The first, first, first step 
is recognizing that there is a God and that the whole world belongs to God. That's the very, very, very first step. It all has to begin there. Like we say, Reshis Hachma Yiras Hashem. The beginning of wisdom is the awareness, is the awe of God. It all has to begin there. Now, I told you we say 30 passages, 30 psukim from Tanakh, 10 in each of the three categories. Well, let's, aren't you curious what the very first passage of all 30 are? I mean, whatever the very first passage of all 30 are, that's probably pretty significant, right? So it's Hashem Yimloch Le'olam Va'ed. Hashem is king for all eternity. That's the first thing that we say. So now, where does that appear in the Torah? And the answer is, it appears after we emerge from the split Red Sea. After the sea splits, we get out on the other side, we've been miraculously saved, and we say, Hashem will rule forever. Hashem is king forever. So I was just thinking about this on a visual level. And I thought, wow, we're saying this. This is like the first of the verses on Rosh Hashanah. And it's what we say after we emerge from crossing the Red Sea. The greatest open miracle, probably. And I thought, that's interesting, because what was this previous year that we just lived through? Didn't we just walk through the Red Sea? <laughs> isn't, that just, isn't that what just happened? That's, what, that's, that's just another way of visualizing the year that I just lived, right? Because how did I get through? How do I get through one moment? How did I get through an entire year in one piece? It has to be that I crossed through the Red Sea. There were miracles going on all the time. And so the first thing that I'm saying on Rosh Hashanah is I'm looking back and I'm saying, it's all you, God. It's all miracles. Remember the Ramban, one of our greatest, greatest, greatest authorities say, says that if a person doesn't believe that every single moment is a miracle, they have no portion in the Torah of Moshe. Do you know how radical a statement that is? If you don't think that every single thing is a miracle, you have no share in Judaism. That's the Ramban. So the first thing that we're recognizing and praising God about is that it's all miracles. Every, it's, every, it's all miracles. And you know something? Right now, I'm looking back on the split sea that I just went through, and you know what's in front of me? Two more walls of water that I'm about to walk through. Because <laughs> the miracles don't stop. I'm about to do it again. So now let's, let's continue with this idea. What's the point? The point is, there's so much all of us have to do. You see, and you say, well, how can I do it? Because it's, it's too hard. So what I'm trying to tell you is this, is that you're already doing the impossible. 
Do you understand that you don't have any license to exist at all? <laughs> the fact that you even exist is already impossible. The fact that you got up out of your bed today and got dressed is already impossible. You're already doing the impossible. <laughs> Let's use that as the baseline. Now, when I tell you that all the gates are open and all the walls are down and that the world hasn't been created yet, mm. now feel the power of the opportunity of that. Because you're already doing the impossible. So this thing that you've already psyched yourself out against and that thing that you've already convinced yourself, no. Really? Can you imagine you say, I lifted, you know, a thousand pound weight. How can I lift this box of Kleenex? It's too heavy. Really? Is that logical? Does it make any sense? That phone call you are so afraid to make? That's lifting a box of Kleenex. And how do we, how, how do, we do it? It says in the Gemara that the Yetzirah is stronger than us. So then how do we overpower it? Because God helps us overpower it. Because the Yetzirah works for God. So when we join up with God, then we can defeat anything. Especially the Yetzirah. So that's this idea of the Aleph and the Bays fusing together. Right? That's Hashem and us fusing together. Hashem is giving us massive strength right now. I would challenge you all to think of your favorite gear that you've gone through in your life and, and, and say that you want to have at least that good a year right now. At least that good a year. You know... I realized in myself that there are certain things that I've sort of become accustomed to and I've just sort of accepted that as that's where I'm at right now. And then I thought to myself, wow, God has already shown me that he can do more than that. What am I doing just praying for this when, when I've already had that? So I definitely expanded my, my outlook. And I, I challenge all of us to do that as well. Hashem wants us to ask. Remember one of the classic teachings, which is when Hashem curses the snake, He curses the snake that, that it should eat the dust of the ground. So... So they would say in, in Kotsk and Pshisk, they, they, they would say, well, what kind of curse is that? Because there's dust everywhere. So basically, you're cursing the snake, it should be like a millionaire. Like wherever he goes, he has something to eat. What's so, what, what's so terrible about that? So, so they say, you know, because 
Because essentially what God did was he said, I'm cutting you off. Here, you just take this stuff and don't, don't come and don't ask me. That it's, it's a blessing to ask. It's a blessing to have that relationship with, with God to keep on asking. Reb Shlomo blessed me and my wife under the chuppah. He said, never stop asking. Never stop asking. And, and don't get this, 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 this polluted, this polluted non-Jewish concept in, in, in your mind that God is busy. <laughs> or that I don't want to trouble God. It's disrespectful to ask God for this or that. Rabbi Nachman, you know, criticized Reb Nosson for not praying for the... You're supposed to pray for the smallest things. We're supposed to pray... If our shoelaces break, we're supposed to pray for new shoelaces. There's nothing too small to pray for. But therefore, by extension, nothing too great to pray for. Okay, maybe we'll stop here.